Well, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? It's only going to be like four billion degrees this morning, or this today. So enjoy the cold theater. I know I will since my house doesn't have AC. Um, but welcome to Awakening. So good to be with you this morning. Uh, we're currently in a series called Unreligious. Uh, it is, uh, we're journeying through the Gospel of Mark. And this morning I want to do something that I've never done before. So it may not work, okay? So if you're willing to kind of go with me a little bit uh, and try something. I've never done it in this size of a group. I've never done it uh, on a Sunday morning. I do it a lot with leaders. Uh, in fact, it's one of my favorite things to do uh, when we get a group of leaders together is, uh, when, uh, is to grab a passage and break up into groups and to dive in and, and just begin to share and make some observations. Uh, so this morning, what I want to do is simply this, is I want us to discover together as a community what God wants to teach us. And what I've found is we're teaching through the Gospel of Mark, and there is some incredibly profound and deep things for us as a community when we're discovering who Jesus is and what he's called us to do. And here's the thing, is I feel like on Sundays is it's just kind of sinking in just, just below the surface, but for us to be the church that God has called us to be, for us to be the people that God has made us to be, there's got to be something deeper that happens. And that's why we've been asking this question last three weeks, does what you know cause your love to grow? And it's not about not knowing things. In fact, it's incredibly important to know uh, and have a relationship with Jesus. But fundamentally, does what you know cause your love to grow? And so what I want to do this morning is take time, dive into the text together, uh, and, so, and then hopefully end this unpacking. So this is like really like, if you don't want to talk to anyone this morning, I am so sorry. Uh, next week will be great. Okay, we won't make you talk to anyone. Uh, if you are new, this isn't normal, so you just need to know that. Uh, so if you're like, man, this is terrible, try us again next week, okay? Um, but it might, it might just be, uh, I think, a really powerful time together as a community. So if you got your notes, here's what I want to do. Uh, and here's what I do with our leaders. Uh, and so we take a passage, and we're in the Gospel of Mark. And so right now we'll, we're in Mark chapter 2, um, verses 13 through 17. You've got this text here. It's about Jesus calling Levi. And what I want you to do is to turn around and gather with three or four people. I'm going to give you about uh, maybe 10 minutes. We'll see about time. Uh, 10 minutes to dive into the text and just look at five, come up together as a community or as a group, five observations, okay? I mean, real simple observations. They, you don't have to like, they don't have to be the most profound thing on the planet and they, it's just an observation. You just see it in the text uh, there. I'll, I'll give you an example. I remember one time doing this uh, with a group and it was, it was so, I, here's where I found the power of seeing doing it with others is we sat, and there's a story, um, Jesus in the Last Supper, and he washes his disciples' feet. Uh, and as he's washing his disciples' feet, and he, he says, you know, I've shown you the full extent of my love. Someone had this observation. I've never seen it before. He said, Jesus did for the disciples what the disciples wouldn't do for Jesus. 
And it blew me away. And I'm like, wow, that's so powerful to think that our Savior, Lord, and Master, the one they called rabbi, the one they called leader, uh, they wouldn't even humble themselves to the point of washing their own master's feet. And yet Jesus said, no, if you want to be first, you've got to be last. And now watch me do for you what you won't even do for me. And it was incredibly powerful. And I'm like, wow, that's so great. So I love this because I think out of this time, we're going to discover some things uh, that we go, wow, we never saw before uh, in the text. Okay? Are we clear? Do we know what we're doing? This means yes. This means no. I know it's different. Um, So what I want you to do, turn around, get in a group of like three or four. Now, here's what I did. So we're not going to get as dialed in into the text as much as normal. Even on your back of your notes, what you'll find is there's a commentary back there. Uh, And so it may be helpful during the time. I encourage you to just look at uh, the text, but especially during the week. If you want to dive in uh, a little bit deeper, you can do that. And there's just some breakdown of some Uh, some of the things there. All right. All right. Go ahead and grab groups, introduce each other, get to know each other. Take a couple minutes. Don't take too long in that. And then read the text aloud together. And then just write down, if you need a pen, we can get you a pen. Write down five observations as a group. Go. Good. All right. How'd it go? It go good? I I don't know how the rest of our time is going to go, but this was one of the coolest things I've seen us do. Uh, I just loved watching everyone huddled around, reading, discussing, um, and and checking that out. It was really, really cool. All right, I got Ty running around with a a microphone here, and what we're going to do now is just, if if you got an observation of like, hey, I saw this, this is uh, something pretty neat I saw in the text, we want to share it and just begin to interact with it together as a community. I have terrible handwriting, by the way, uh, and so uh, you may not be able to read it. I'll write it up there, but you may not be able to read it, so uh, good luck in that. You may need the gift of uh, interpretations uh, there. All right, Ty, go for it. Run around. If you got an observation, it, uh, just raise your hand, and, uh, and we'll dive in. Yeah, right behind. Kyle. Just pick one. That's good, man. Uh, we, we, we were uh, reading it, and uh, we saw that the Pharisees uh, asked the disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Um, and, and Jesus answers them, and we were like, does Jesus have zero faith in the disciples' ability to answer that question? Or why does Jesus why does Jesus jump in there instead of uh, instead of letting the disciples or someone else answer? So we ask it's Q and A time now. Is that the, that you know Jesus does answer a question? You know what? It, well, you know what's interesting though about that. A lot of times Jesus answers the Pharisees with a question, and in this case, he answers them incredibly directly because he was clear, wanted to be very clear on his purpose, right? What's he say right after that? Uh, he says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Yeah. So the disciples, one, this is really early on in Jesus' ministry. They haven't discovered and really been trained up, you know, and so Jesus going, we can't miss on this one. I, I'm, not, I'm not just partying to party's sake. I'm partying with purpose, right? Which is good, right? Come on. We like to party at awakening because Jesus partied. We just don't party aimlessly. There's a, there's a purpose behind it. There's, there's a reason, and the reason Jesus is real clear. Uh, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. But good. Jesus answers the question. He steps in. He wants to be clear. Great. What's next? Who else? Raise your hand. 
All right, run up, run up here. Ty, I, I picked you because you're athletic. Um, you're a lot slower than I imagined, but you had a bagel. That's all right. So uh, it's on the same spot. Uh, the Pharisees really seem like they're more concerned with their own salvation rather than teaching others and helping other people like follow religion. Dude, that is so good. That is great. Uh, and I think religious, I didn't mean not to write yours down, by the way. That's, uh, that's not what I meant there. Uh, uh, but religious, uh, concerned with looking good. Not necessarily doing good. Man, that's, so, that's spot on. Because in there a sense where you get to this point where you're concerned about how others perceive you and what they might interpret or misinterpret by those actions. And so as a result, I want to look good to make sure others think I am right, I am holy, rather than being concerned with doing what's right. Very good. What, what's next? Anybody else? Yeah, right, right next to you, Tim, and then we'll, we'll get over to this section. Um, it talks about that he came uh, not for the people that are healthy, but for those who are sick. He came for the sinners. Um, I think ironically, I'm sure all the Pharisees thought, oh, then he's not, the, he's not here for us. But technically, we ask the question, well, then who, who are the sinners? And the answer is he came for ev- everyone. So it's kind of an interesting question because it looks like he's saying, oh, I didn't come for these people. I came for those people. But really, he's saying everyone. Absolutely. Oh, that's so huge. In fact, I wrote this down as a, a commentary. One, one writes this. Uh, he said, uh, let me see if I can find it. Uh, the very people for whom Jesus can do nothing are those who think themselves so good that they don't need anything done for them. And, and you're exact, you hit it right on the, the nail on the head. Jesus isn't saying the religious leaders weren't in need it was one of the observations that we had uh, last week is uh, they were unaware of their need. Remember that in the point last week? Their, their knowledge of God blinded them to their need for God. Uh, yeah, all right, what's else? What else next? Over on this, right back there. It's Ryan, right? Brian. Uh, you're really close to a very good name, but uh, almost. <laughs> Missed it by one letter. Um, on, on verse 14, when Jesus tells Levi to follow him, we found two, um, two different things when he says, follow me. Uh, one, um, Levi doesn't question it. He just right away uh, gets up and follows him. And also, Jesus, Jesus doesn't explain himself. He's not like, follow me because this and this. Yeah. He just says, Simply follow me, and he gets up and does it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Levi follows Jesus. Now, in that, and I want to close on that a little bit later, in that is so huge. Now, think about, who was Levi? Help me out here. Who was he? Tax collector. You know what other name Levi went by? Matthew. You know who wrote the book, uh, the Gospel of Matthew? Yeah, this guy. This guy. Now, now, here's what's so huge. Levi leaving his post, abandoning it, meant he could never return to it. I mean, think about that. He got up and left everything. In fact, the Gospel of Luke writes it this way. He says, and Levi got up and left 
everything. And he follows Jesus. Uh, one of the things that I wrote down on that uh, that I think is, is really interesting uh, is, um, I, don't, I can't find where I wrote it down. Uh, the person you'd least expect accepted Jesus. You, you ever just think about that? I mean, Levi, he, he's a guy, he's wealthy, he's upwardly mobile, He's kind of a shady charlatan crook. He's got the big house on the beach. He's got the car. He's got uh, everything around him. He's living the lifestyle you would not expect this guy. And yet Jesus calls him, and his response immediately follows him. It's interesting. Those we at least expect, those that we think, oh, they're too far from God, or maybe from the outside we see, oh, they don't need him. And yet, internally, they're yearning, yearning for that call from Jesus. Great observation. What's next? Yeah, right down here. I like your keys, by the way. That's jingle all the way. Just as uh, Levi follows Jesus, they don't end up in some place that looks super fancy or super holy from the outside. Levi invites Jesus over to his house. So not only does Jesus use who we would least expect or call who we would least expect, but he uses what they have to offer. And oh, Levi man. like invites Jesus into what Levi is already doing, just brings Jesus into his life. And that's what like following Jesus is looking like in this story. That's great. Levi, Jesus steps into Levi's life and uses what he has. That's great. Because isn't it so often the time we dismiss being used by God because we think of all the things we don't have? You might want to go. She's holding that mic for you, by the way. Um, but just think about that. So many times we go, no, 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 I can't. I could never. If only I had this. And, and the invitation is, you. I want to use you. In fact, God uses ordinary, broken, hurting, imperfect people to accomplish his good purpose. He takes you as you are and uses what you have to bring about incredible good. Great observation. Maybe a couple more. Yeah, right up there. So uh, we noticed a couple of things. Um, if you imagine sitting around a table with Jesus and uh, you're at maybe at his home, why would the Pharisees just show up and start asking questions? That seemed kind of strange. Totally. Uh, the second part is that uh, when they did ask him, he was sitting around the table with his, with his friends, I guess, and um, Jesus explicitly calls them sinners right there in front of them. Uh, so... I don't know. I think that's a little strange. If, if it was me, I'd either think, one, they're either resigned to the fact that they're just really, really crappy people, or uh, two, maybe they're just like, hey, you know, what's up with that? I'm not that bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know what is interesting about that? Because one of the things, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and I love, is that Jesus, right, um, always leads... Uh, leads, there we go, with compassion, but follows 
with clarity? There isn't a question here of where they stand, right? There wasn't, and here's the reality in that day. These people were clearly aware that they were outside the religious bounds. And as a result, are rejected and ostracized from God. They were, they were clear on that. In fact, in your notes, uh, on the back side, it talks about uh, sinner in this word here. It says, The wicked are not occasional transgressors of the Torah or the first five books of the Bible, the, the law, but those who stand fundamentally outside it. They are categorically reprobate. The Mishnah describes sinners variously as gamblers, moneylenders, people who race. I love this one. People who race doves. Um, you're a dove racer. Uh, anybody? We have any dove races? In, no? Okay. Okay. Uh, people who trade on the Sabbath year, thieves and violent shepherds, and of course, tax collectors. So there was already, here's the interesting part, they were already uniquely aware of their state before a holy God. And Jesus eats with them. He doesn't deny, hey, he doesn't overlook where you're at. He meets you where they are at. He, he doesn't, you know, and sometimes the reality is, is we so focus on like, we need to get people here and bring people to Jesus. And the reality is more often than not, we simply need to bring Jesus to people there. Great observation. Maybe one or two more. Yeah. I actually had something to tack onto the point right before that where Jesus steps into Levi's life. Um, the group of people that they're eating with is a group of people who are probably Levi's friends. It's just a bunch more tax collectors and more sinners. So he uses Levi and stepping into his life to reach out to all the people that Levi knows. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and we, I think that's something we, we hit on when Levi follows Jesus. But just this reality that, at, and here's the thing about, think about this. When you've experienced the grace of, and love and compassion of God. You are compelled to let those you love around you know about it. That's where Paul talked about it in 1 Corinthians. Uh, For the love of Christ compels me. It's it's just, it's this compulsion. I can't help. I've experienced this. Now, now think about this when in following Jesus, you know, in the ancient day when uh, a rabbi uh, uh, had a follower, the process was different than the way Jesus went about it too. So here's a guy that knows he's fundamentally on the outside, knows that he's got no hope or chance of being right with God. So his only hope and chance is to enjoy life to the full and make as much money as he can now because that's all he's got. He's going, I'm, uh, that's, that's my lot in life. And, and to become a, a follower of a rabbi, you would go through these different trainings and you would go through what would kind of be high school and then college and then a master's program, basically. And then at the end of that time, you went through your schooling and most people, you know, didn't make it all the way through that. Only the very few top percentile made it to the very end of the educational program there. Then you would literally apply to a rabbi. So you'd find a rabbi that you loved, and you're like, I want to be 
begin to do what they do, and you would apply, and then you would be interviewed for a number of hours. And if it was satisfactory, then the rabbi would place his yoke, it's a, a band on you, and, and you would be under him. Jesus flips it upside down when he calls Levi, and in fact, all the disciples, they don't go through an application process. In fact, they're the least guys you would expect on the outside or the fringe of the religious community. And Jesus says, would you follow me? No application needed. No measuring up prior. You don't have to somehow get worthy and make it until I'll finally accept you. You are worthy because I've called you. That's powerful, by the way, for you and for me, because some of us are working real hard to earn God's favor, to find our worth in what we do and how we work and and all those sort of things. And your worth is found intrinsically in you that you are a daughter or son of God. You are an image bearer of the God Most High. And he calls you. He calls you. Not because you somehow worked or figured out how to be worthy, just as you are. Maybe one more. One more observation before we go. These are great, by the way, guys. Really good. Tim, over here. Uh, What? One thing that we found interesting is right at the beginning, it says once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. So it's not like, oh, he decided to go there. It's he continually goes to the same spot or it kind of implies that. Yeah. And so it wasn't Levi's first time seeing Jesus or like Jesus's first time seeing Levi. They kind of had these brush of encounters and it's like now Jesus has seen what he does and he's like, follow me. Yeah. Oh, what a great observation, man. That's a great one to close on, too. Once again, uh, and, and that's so true, is that this, wasn't, this is a common, habitual thing that Jesus did. It, Levi was familiar with who this rabbi is and what he was doing. And Jesus was familiar with this tax collector. And the way it happened in the land, you had these different provinces. And um, in the region of Galilee, uh, you would pass over into the next region over uh, and you would have to pay taxes on your goods that you bought. And so he's there uh, on that border right there and he's taking in taxes. Jesus sees them all the time. Now here's the other thing, just thinking about what in your relationships and your friendships and those who don't know Jesus. Sometimes we think it should just be immediate and if the first time it doesn't work out or first time you share uh, about your life or story of Jesus and first time you maybe invite someone to come to this weird high school, you know, and it's called, we do church there. And you're like, and they didn't come. Well, I guess I'm good. Did you know, on average, people need seven to ten positive encounters with a Christian, a follower of Jesus, before they begin to make a significant step towards Jesus. Think about that and think about the rhythms and the patterns of our lives and and actually thinking about, okay, it's not just a one shot. And, And I just encourage you, 
Yeah, and this is one of those maybe points, because when we're talking about reaching out, and this is the thing, we long to see this city changed by the love and grace of Jesus. And it happens one person at a time who've experienced his love and sharing that with those around us. Now, what you need to know, what you need to know is where we've gone wrong in the past is sometimes people invest in a project instead of a person. And you make the person a project instead of saying, you are a loved, cherished human, image bearer of the God Most High. And, and by the way, I'm going to love you irregardless of whether you come to know Jesus or not. I'm going to befriend you irregardless of whether you come to know Jesus or not. I'm going to be clear. My hope and prayer is that you come to know Jesus, but you're not a project to me. You're a friend. That's great, great observation. Let me just give you the closing one. Uh, and I... I I'll just give you this one because I, I love this, this one and then I'll close and I, I know we're running out of time. But, but did you think about this? People who are nothing like Jesus actually liked Jesus. Did you see that? Tax collectors, sinners. See, Jesus is distinctly unreligious but he is not ungodly. He is holy, he is pure and yet somehow he, the fullness of grace and truth, people who were nothing like him were attracted to him and that is an incredible challenge for us as a community, as a church, as a people. Do people who are nothing like us, like us? Uh, closing, closing thought here. It's right at the bottom, fill in the blank. Observation. Yeah, this is important. Who you're becoming is determined by who or what you're following. Who you're becoming is determined by who or what you're following. Remember in the text, who Matthew was in the moment was he was following after his own personal greed, his own personal desire for success, his own personal desire for fame or pleasure or what have you, and that is who he was becoming. And in an instant, he changed what he was following from a what to a who. A question, I think one of the most significant questions, the most important question you'll ask in your life, who, who are you following? What are you following? What are you pursuing after? See, the invitation, the invitation to Levi is, is the same invitation for you and me. It, you notice his past didn't disqualify him. His present condition didn't cause him to somehow be on the out. But Jesus stepped into that moment and said, I want to offer you life to the full if you'll choose to follow me. And following, by the way, is an action, something you do, not just something you think or believe. Who? How about you? Who or what are you following? Because I guarantee you, you will become like whatever you follow.
There's a story I came across as a study this week by a guy named Tony Campolo. He's a uh, author, speaker, and he was uh, flew to Hawaii, uh, Honolulu, to teach uh, there. And uh, he was in his hotel, and he couldn't uh, stay. He couldn't fall asleep, and so as he uh, was awake, he decided to hit up the 24-hour diner, and he's sitting there eating some greasy food. And um, booth over next to him were uh, a group of prostitutes. It was about 3 a.m. And as he overheard their conversation, he overheard one of the gals say, tomorrow's my 39th birthday. And one of the other gals snarks at her, yeah, what do you want us to do about that? And you see her get defensive and pull back and and she says, well, I've never had a birthday. It's not a big deal, and, you know, and, and they leave. And Tony's overwhelmed by this, and he goes into cahoots with the diner owner and says, hey, let's throw a birthday party for that woman. So the next night at 3.30 a.m., he and the owner had a cake ready for when the prostitutes came in. And they come and they sing happy birthday and she's crying and overwhelmed by the moment and she's asking, can I take the cake home? A woman rejected, dejected on the outskirts of society, the one that many overlook or dismiss through a birthday party. And as they close, Tony says, can I pray for you all? And he prays and asks for healing and wholeness and all kinds of sort of things. And the diner owner is taken back and he says, I I didn't know you were a preacher. What kind of church do you go to? And his answer is the kind of church that throws parties for prostitutes at 3.30 a.m. See, when you follow Jesus, you begin to see life fundamentally different. And you begin to not see the problems that are on the surface, but you begin to see the people God has made and is redeeming. He's inviting you and me into a life and to be a community that throws parties for prostitutes. Let's pray. God, thanks for this morning. Thanks for the fun to get to kick your word around. Father, I ask that as we studied your word in community this moment, that you would anchor some truths in our soul that would forever shape how we live out this life. God, I pray for the person that that hasn't made the decision to follow you, that in this moment they would step forward and experience your grace and your love, and they would follow you. They would give their life to you. I pray for the person that's on the edge of the, with you, they've kind of fallen away from you, God, that they would step fully back into your love. God, thank you that you are the God who throws parties for prostitutes and that accepts and loves us where we're at and yet does not leave us where we're at. In Jesus' name.